podcast. This is a continuation of episode 16, where we all interview each other. Um, Dave interviewed Huggy and I, my co-host to that side, at whichever direction. And uh, we are now going to interview our guy, Dave. So uh, here comes the rest of episode 16. So Dave, go ahead and let yourself on in and we'll start talking to you. Boom, chaka like a boom, chaka like a like a boom, chaka like a like Great movie, by the way. Uh, so, so, hello, Dave, and uh, welcome to us talking to you and asking you invasive questions about your private life. Why do I feel like I'm being interrogated? Everything's going to be fine. You're you're a former Marine. You've had training. You'll be okay. Um, so, actually, I'm going to start with this. Question number one. Who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> It's not a tumor. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Don't actually answer that question. But, so uh, I know you started my interview and sort of Huggy's interview. Uh, so where are you from originally? Um, I'm not going to ask you what nationality you are because we already know. I'm, I am pale white. So <laughs> I am as white as white gets. Yeah. Um, so... I, uh, I was born in the Republic of Texas uh, in Dallas. Um, yep, that's, that's where I'm from. Okay. That's, <laughs> you, it's hard to get more American than Texas. Right. Yeah. So you're basically Chuck Norris without a beard. Sure. Remember the Alamo. Yeah. Well, well <laughs> said. Well said. Well played on that one. I like okay. that one. So, what is your favorite cinematic film? Okay, I, I had. I mean, look, we've. I know there are a certain set of questions that were coming. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I put some thought into this one because. Okay, perfect. Um, it's. I could just very easily state it's X, but I'm not going to. So okay. my dad was a huge John Wayne fan, so Ooh, saw a lot of John be good. Wayne stuff growing up. And he was okay. also a, a former Marine. Um, at, like uh, He was a sniper before I ever was. And um, I ended up liking Clint Eastwood and all of his spaghetti westerns and, okay. yeah. and stuff like that. So getting to the question, uh, I'm going to lead in with my number two, I think I will call it. It's kind of hard to say, but my, my favorite movie to watch on a big screen mm -hmm. is Saving Private Ryan for all of the big screen special effects. Okay. When I got, when I got my first big screen HD TV, 65 inch from the big screen store, not a sponsor, uh, it was Saving Private Ryan. I had my surround sound set up and I'm like, here we go. Um <laughs> But my number one movie of all time is the outlaw, Josie Wales. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good movie. Good yeah. movie. So fictional character, if that comes up, you already know. Okay. When I get well, reincarnated, well, now you know who I want to be reincarnated as. Okay. Well, okay. Very fair. I yeah. like it. I am all right. down. All right. Huh. Wow. That was, that's powerful. <laughs> I like it. Well, he's like, get you fired listen, up in the morning. Two very strong films, so I can't like I can't fault any of them. Those are both very good choices. Yeah. Um, so follow up. Uh, well, since we already know who your favorite fictional character is, uh, what is your favorite book? Okay, number three. 
the autobiography of Pete Townsend, Who I Am. Okay. Number two, The Hunt for Red October. Number one, neither of you have ever heard of. Okay. It's called The Five Fingers. What it is. Like Five Finger Discount? Kind of. Or is it a Five Finger Punch? It's it's a book based on the Vietnam War where you had seven special, you had seven people who were special operators from five different countries come together for a mission that was supposed to go into and through North Korea, into China, assassinate a Chinese general, and then come back to the, and then come back to an extraction point. It's a phenomenal book. The first couple you know, chapters are boring because it's all just prep and that kind of stuff. But man, the moment of instruction to the end of the book is 900 miles per hour. It's funny that you say I'm that. Writing that down. I've actually seen a couple of scenes that have been implemented from that book in movies. I know there's one where um gosh i can't remember the movie but that happened where it was several different uh countries put together their best shooters and they went to go in and but upon their uh they they assassinated the person and upon leaving or going back to their extraction point they just were getting hammered left and right all the way back trying to make their way back to the extraction point um but yeah, it was, and when you said that, I was like, "Oh my God, yeah, I've seen something similar to that." I'm gonna have to definitely get the book. And that is, so. and that is the five fingers to a T, because at that moment, I'm not gonna say whether they did or did not or what happened, but from right. that moment all the way back to the extraction point, it is, uh, wow. I mean, I don't even yeah. know how to describe it. Yeah. Okay. Man, that would that would see now. I'm kind of like, man, see, that's where somebody needs to make a movie about that. That'd yeah. be a good, yeah, good that, movie. Well, it sounds like they might have, but they just changed the name, and Huggy can't remember. Well, but it was Way just a go, small, Huggy. It, was, it was just a small blip in a movie. You know, they didn't go into the in depths like Dave was talking about of how what all went on and everything. But as soon as he said it, it just clicked. So, yeah. But anyway, continue on. Okay. Uh, sort of along the same lines, favorite historical character? Um, this. I'll go, I'll go with my co, because one is controversial. Uh-oh. Um, but I, uh, well, you know what, I, I have two. James Madison. Okay. Because he imported books from all over the world to study all the different governments in order to come up with what we have. Mm-hmm. The dude had a 4,000 book library. So mm-hmm. probably one of the most well-read figures in all of history. Um, so to do that much research to create our government um, is amazing to me. The controversial one is my favorite um military historical figure which was stonewall jackson oh okay okay i can see where the controversy comes in but yeah yeah so there we go 
Okay. A founding I'm father. I'm okay with both. A founding father and Stonewall Jackson. Okay. He was an instructor at VMI, correct? Yes, he was. And he's buried there. Artillery. Okay. Yes. So I thought I just I'm trying to remember. Um, okay. Well, uh, let me. Oh, my computer's being anyway. But, and the funny right thing now. is, is he was not the most respected instru- uh, professor there. They like there wasn't a lot of respect for him. Oh really? Like yeah. from the students or the faculty? Yeah, from the students. Oh. It <laughs> wasn't until the Civil War that he really proved proved his worth. So, right. It was interesting. That is interesting. I did not know that. Well, um, so bit of a trick question for you. It might be uh, difficult for you to answer. Okay. Favorite branch of the military? Oh, boy. Let me think. Yep, Marines. I feel like this one's going to be pretty tough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, Marines, for sure. Okay. So, um, along those lines, uh, before we get into the fun stuff, uh, how long, since you are a former Marine, how long did you serve? I served active duty. nine and a half years on active duty. I spent okay. two years, as we were talking with Andy, my first two years um, after uh, boot camp and then my infantry, initial infantry training, I spent two years at 3rd Reconnaissance Battalion in Camp Schwab, Okinawa. Then three years at Camp Lejeune with 2nd Recon Battalion. And then my last four years at Quantico as a scout sniper instructor. Um, so, because I know the story, I don't know if you're allowed to talk about this. How did you end up sliding down uh, an escarpment <laughs> in Korea? Uh, uh, how many feet was it? You know, While I- sleeping? Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say 30, 30 to forty-five feet. I'm gonna guess. Um, trying to. Remember so you started back. up here. It did. It did. And then you ended somewhere yeah. down here. Correct. On a, on a mountain. Yeah. Yep. On a mountain on the on the side of a mountain in Korea. So we were right. on a reconnaissance patrol, and we had, well, we would say harbored up. Uh, on the side of this hill. And we were all in arm's reach or so of us because you had to be able to pass around the microphone of the radio uh, for radio watch and security. So somebody should have been up at all times for security and pass the mic around for radio. Uh, and I can remember waking up in the morning and looking around and going, where is everybody? <laughs> everybody, everybody left. Where'd it go? And then I look up the hill and I'm like, oh. They're up there. How did I get down here? Because when I started sleeping, I was sleeping this way. And when I woke up, I was this way. So I guess in my sleep, you know, the turning and whatever, uh, I ended up sliding feet first down the hill 30 to 45 feet. So, I mean, I still had all my my gun and everything with me, so it was good. But, yeah, that was interesting. What did the person that was on watch say? Anything? Uh, I don't. I don't know what they said. I don't even know if they were on watch. I, I mean, they, they may very well have been asleep. Just, just been like, oh, there goes Dave. <laughs> yeah, right. He's just slowly going away. I wonder. Maybe he sees something. I don't know. Right. It's weird. Is he checks something out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So before we get in, kind of the meat and potatoes of 
the the rest of the the interview. Um, what is your favorite caliber of? I'm gonna go pistol and rifle. Okay. Um, pistol. I've been all over the board. I started as a 45 guy, then I moved to 40, and now I'm at nine mil. And I would I I won't be moving from there. It will be nine mil for pistol for sure. Um. With, with all of my background and all the ballistic stuff that I've done in the past and and seeing the advancement advancements in nine millimeter technology and what it can do uh, with the amount of nine millimeter ammo you can carry and the ballistics you can get from it I, I can't see anything being better so that's why okay. And then um, for rifle, I, I enjoy my 6.5. I think it's great for competition. If money wasn't an option, it would be a 338 Lapua all day, every day. Because it, I would be able to utilize my rifle shooting ability to its maximum range for certain things. Okay. So. Okay, cool. I like it. Um, so along those same lines, what is your favorite gun? Again, pistol and rifle. And sub gun. Okay. MP5, okay. PDW, all day, every day. That would be actually be my number one choice. Because okay. the compact size of it, the... I, I'm not a huge fan of HK's precision rifles or their pistols. Mm -hmm. They're nice. But um, it's not, they're, they're not great. But that MP5, man, that thing is amazing. Um, yeah. No doubt about it. So MP5 PDW, fantastic. My favorite pistol, I would have to say, you know, I've had hand-built 1911s from Quantico um, that my dad had built and matched everything on them. But I, I would say mechanics. Uh, I'm, okay. I'm extremely impressed with everything about them. Rifle, hands down. Uh, as as much as I love the M40s, uh, hands down the Accuracy International. There is nothing better than an Accuracy International rifle. Period. Yeah. When I was at Shot Show in '96. I ran into the guy who had started cryoing, uh, using cryogenics to cryo barrels. So basically what they do is they restructure the molecules, molecules within the steel mm -hmm. to make it stronger, make it better, make the barrel whip more consistent, all of that. And he told me to my face, I asked him about the Accuracy International barrels and he said that's the only barrel that I cannot improve. And his point was that it was already so good, he could not improve it himself through cryo. So, and every Accuracy International gun I have shot has operated like butter. Um, it is a tack driver. It is absolutely amazing. Those guys, they visited us at Quantico one year, and I was advocating for us switching from the 40s to mm -hmm. the Accuracy International. It is just an amazing gun. 
so and, and I don't know how much you're allowed to speak to this or whatever, but is that was that just a cost issue or more because those things aren't cheap. more of a pride issue? Oh, really? Oh, sure. I mean, okay. think about it. Marine snipers. That's what everybody puts up on the pedestal. That's that's the highest of the high. And we built our own guns. Right. Now, cost is a huge issue in that because right. that Accuracy International gun, for what they were spending on an M40 at the time, was probably 10 times the cost. So cost-wise, yeah, it's a huge amount. Well, when they were buying the actions for the 40, they would buy the Remington action and the barrel mm -hmm. they would take completely off and return it and put on the M14s that we right. talked about. So they would recycle parts, but then, you know, they bought other parts from other companies to make these 40s. So they weren't just a you had a Remington action, but it wasn't a Remington right. gun. But that was it. That was literally just that action because everything else was different. Pretty much. Now, yeah. would it have, would it would it have been the same for the Accuracy International? Would you still be using that Remington action, or is it soup to nuts all Accuracy International? It's top to bottom, yep, soup to nuts. Everything is Accuracy because it works on a clamshell. Right. Um, I mean, it was just it's so it's literally one solid piece. Mm -hmm. The entire the buttstock, the forestock, the action. Everything is one piece. So and the, the great thing about them is as a civilian, you can buy their barrel changing kit, put it in a vise at your house, and put a new barrel on it, you know, when you start shooting it out. Mm -hmm. So um, those things are just, there's very little maintenance to them. They're just, they're, they're a great rifle built by a guy who was like a seven-time world champion. Mm -hmm. So he knows a little bit about rifle shooting. Yeah. Small. So Just that, a, is, that is my dream gun right there. Hmm. Above okay. anything else, that Accuracy International 338 Lapua is my dream okay. gun. And that's not a cheap round to shoot either. And like you said, like money being no object. Right. Right. Okay. Um, so to kind of go back to your, to your Canik, uh, comment about that's your favorite pistol, which Canik specifically, or like of the ones that you have elite versus SFX, like what, which, which do you prefer? Or are they all kind of on a level playing field? All right. I, I am a precision guy. Right. So I, I would have to say the SFX just because okay. it is their competition gun and when I bought it, I bought the version that had the Vortex red dot on it. Yep. So when I went to zero the gun to sight it in, I actually rested the gun, the butt of the grip, on the table at 25 yards. And I shot a five-shot group. I have pictures of the group with a, a ruler in there for size. And I shot a five-shot group at 25 yards with the grip rested on the table, and it was a half-inch by three-quarter-inch group. Wow. And if that, if that gun is capable of shooting that, then it is way more capable of anything that I can do. And that's all I ever want, because even in a rifle, all I'm looking for is a gun that is better than me. So all I have to do is worry about my stuff. I don't have to worry about the gun. I like being able to take that completely out of the equation. Right. And now I just have to work on me and make sure that I'm doing everything properly. 
and that gun will will hammer. Right. So yeah, the variables I, that you can control are the only things that you got to worry about. Correct. Okay, I like that. Okay. Um, what was it? Okay. Um, so uh, because we're a podcast about shooting, but kind of slightly uh, in the the competition realm, what is your history with uh, competition shooting? Rifle, pistol, the whole thing. Like, okay. kind of give us an overview of you competing as a shooter. Okay. So, um, this goes all the way back to well before you were born. Yep. Because I'm um, younger than you guys. Yeah. I was, so my dad was a Marine and he was on the uh, rifle team. So, every summer we'd come out to Quantico. Uh, we didn't get stay, or we. We got moved out here when my dad got stationed full-time at Quantico in January of 76. So the Bicentennial. And uh, up until then, every summer we would be coming out to Quantico from typically the West Coast. We were at 29 Palms. Then we were at um, Camp Pendleton. So we were living in Oceanside. And then we'd make the track across country every summer. And then back across at the end of the shooting season. Um, and then about 77, 78, I started working out at the range when my when there were competition shoots. I would take the scorecards from the shooting line to a trailer where they tabulated them all by hand. Because, you know, there was, this is the mid-70s. There's no... You know, you had calculators, right? but that's about all you had. Um, and they had this huge scoreboard that they would go out and it would have, it, it's kind of like, imagine going to a USPSA match now and just a huge paper scoreboard. And then they would have stage numbers and the, the names of each competitor. And as they shot, they would put down whatever their, you know, their, the percent of their score was so 197 whatever or whatever their points right. numbers were and they would keep a tabulation at the end same type of thing they would 200 yard offhand 200 yard rapid fire 300 yard rapid fire 600 yard prone um and they would you know have all that stuff there so you could see how everybody was tracking i think i was making like 10 bucks a day um <laughs> doing that I would use a, I had a bicycle, I had a, a mini bike at one time, so a little motorized, uh, <laughs> that, that the son of a gun, probably a half a dozen times to a dozen times every day I worked, the damn chain would kick off on the back and I'd have to play with it and get the chain back on the sprocket. Um, and then, so I was hanging around competition shooting then. And I saw these guys shooting all the time. Um, and then I guess probably right around 80-ish, 80, 80, I guess, yeah, I started pulling targets. So now instead of running scorecards back and forth, I'm down in the pits where the targets are, and I'm pulling targets up and down, and I'm marking them and scoring them and, and doing that. And that's, that's where the money was. Um, I don't remember what I was making at the beginning, but I know in 85 – I worked like two matches before I went into the Marines in between, well, at the beginning of the shooting season, the end of high school, going into the Marines. 
and I made like 200 bucks a weekend. So back to then, that was pretty good, pretty good cash. And then uh-huh. I shot, when I went in, I shot matches for the Marine Corps first in 86. Yeah, 86, I shot the Eastern Division matches in Okinawa. Then in 90, I shot, uh, I'm sorry, 86 was Far West. So you had East, West, and uh, Far East. That's what it was. East, West, and Far East, which was Okinawa. And then in 90, I shot Eastern Division matches. And 90, I came up to Quantico and shot the High Power Rifle Team. And each year, each time I shot those matches, I did pistol in the division matches. I was never, I always shot expert with a pistol, and it was the 1911. Even after we moved to Beretta for the competition, it was still a 45. But I was never one of those guys who was ever going to threaten anybody with a pistol. The rapid fire was just... I don't, you know, now that I'm shooting USPSA looking back, I'm sure my grip was jacked up. Uh, I wasn't doing anything right. You know what I mean? Like, so it was bad. Right. Even though I, I mean, it was good enough that I could shoot expert every single time. Like I never, I never shot less than expert with a pistol or a rifle at any time. But looking back I, that's also i think what has slowed me down in uspsa is having to fix those things that i was wrong with and in the precision stuff i've always done uh, it slows me down because i want to be that guy who's like nope it right. has to be right yeah, cause there that's your mindset yeah and you've had that mindset for a while yeah cuz uh even though we had some competition some guys who had shot competition at the sniper school I was the only guy who would take the 40s out and shoot them in competition with the big heavy leather coat with a sling. And I was the only guy who did that. So I even shot the M40 in competition. And that thing would hold his own. You know, a 308 against the M14s. And the rifle team also had 300 wind mags with Leopold 16 power scopes. So... That's my well, as a, so what do you as as a competitor now? Um, are you still doing uh, precision rifle, or is it just pistol right now? Right now, it's just pistol. Um, 2017, 2018, I did some rifle NRA high power rifle. I'd go down to North Carolina and shoot some matches. That was fun. My family hated it. Um, it was boring for them, and. I, I I could get a little perturbed at times with my <laughs> results. So, I've never know, seen you upset even before. Even more exciting for them. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, yeah. So now it's just mainly pistol, but I still do want to shoot rifle on occasion. Right. I want to keep that up. So uh, you talked about, and we've we've talked about it before. We talked about it in a. a interview with with lynn and randy uh, up at shadowhawk um what did you do when you got out of the marines as, out of active duty what did you do you're ad-libbing huh you're ad-libbing now me no no i have it on here don't worry it's a legit question that i was going to ask anyways okay it just so happens we talked about it a little bit uh what did you do uh in between 
Marine Corps, and then becoming a firefighter paramedic in Prince William County. Uh, well, for two years, there was a gap. Uh, right. Well, for two years, I, um, I'll just keep it with the rifles or the shooting okay. stuff. But um, I was doing business as Vatex Enterprises in Texas, training civilians and law enforcement in long-range rifle. That's what I did. And how how'd you get into being a paramedic? Well, I came back to Virginia. There was uh, my dad was having health issues, um, and there was some other stuff going on with the business that uh, my now ex-wife and I decided we were going to come back. We still owned a house up here too, so we ended up coming back up here. And the way some some things happened down there that kind of left a a bad taste in my mouth. So I was like, I was done. I actually had a lawyer call me. Um, I had basically designed a stock that McMillan was making and, um, he asked if I wanted to go in on the, not trademark or copyright, whatever, what I, whatever patent. it is, what's that? Yeah. Patent. There you go. And, um, I said, you know what? I said, I, I'm out of that business. So... And then I started thinking, I was like, okay, I could be a cop. Um, I did a couple of the uh, tests for that. I did well on them, but um, a couple of things stopped me from getting them. And the other thing I had been thinking about was I had back in, when I was at Third Recon, we didn't always have a Navy corpsman with us. So I went to a school at one of the other camps one of the, and um, learned how to suture, start IVs, and then I said intubate, but it, I, I don't think we actually intubated. I think we were doing the old um, EOA, esophageal okay. obturator airway from way back okay. in the day. Um, so I, did a, I learned a lot of it, more advanced stuff so I could literally take a med kit with me and be able to perform those things in the field if you know one of my team members because at the time I was a team leader um, at least that one of us could have some medical supplies with us so I was okay. like well I enjoyed that I could always do that I, to be honest with you I wasn't all that drawn to firefighting but I mean if you wanted a better job than transport um that's what you were going to do. So I figured I'd get my paramedic. Uh, the VA actually paid for that. And I did that. Good job, through, VA. Yeah. I did that through George Washington University. Got that. And then I let Prince William County pay for my firefighter training. And Chris there knows because we shared a locker. <laughs> and feelings. And you know, feelings. Wasn't just yeah. a locker. And feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Which I was going to ask you one of my questions, um, just just a question, was what was what would you say was probably one of our funniest or one of your funniest moments in recruit school? Oh lord! I don't know. Realizing he had to share a locker with you, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a few. Um, which one are you leaning towards? I don't know. I was just sitting there. I thought about it the other day. I was like, man, I wonder what he would say. 
would be the funniest moment in recruit school because, like you said, there were so many different things. It was actually a good time. I mean, it was a five month. It was a five month party. Right. We really turned that into a a party atmosphere. I mean, if you remember, I forget who the guy who it was, but we got yelled at um, during first phase testing when we had their stereo up too loud in the locker room. Dude came yeah. in the locker room and was yelling, turn that radio down, and rah, rah, rah. Yep. I mean, let the bodies um, hit the floor. Yeah. <laughs> At max volume, you know. So we, we wrote our own rules. So um, I, I, don't, I don't – it's hard to say what the funniest one was. It was just every day was a pretty good day. Yeah. Like, yeah, I will agree, but I just – I was thinking about like just laughing about some of the stuff, uh, you know. I would say, uh, let me rephrase your question. Can I rephrase it? Yeah, go ahead. How about how about most memorable? And that would be when Mr. Huggy Bear climbed in the shower butt naked with another guy. (laughs) Now, let me qualify this. It wasn't because he, you know, was attracted to the guy. It's because the guy had a phobia of being around other naked men. So Huggy's like, hey, what better way to fix this? I'll just climb in the shower with you. It's immersion therapy. Or, yeah, exactly. Or I'll just come over to your locker and put my leg up on the bench and we'll hold a conversation. You know. Black Mamba. (laughs) So, you know, those were the memorable ones. It was stuff like that that was hilarious, but I would I would put in the more memorable column. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, you can't I, unsee I, that. Uh, nope. 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 <laughs> it's just seared into the back of your mind for eternity. For life. Yes. Yeah, it, yeah. Indelible yeah. mark. Yeah, you got you got dreams about you. Uh, <laughs> nightmares are dreams too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what else you but, got for him, Huggy? So. I know, I know the answer, and I'm for sure pretty much everybody should be able to guess the actual answer. But what is who? Who is your favorite football team? Oh, well, when I was watching football, yes, being from Dallas, there can be only one: the Washington Football Team. Exactly, <laughs> the, the Dallas Cowboys. America's okay. team. As a matter of fact, when uh, I on occasion I would go to my dad's work out at the out at the ranges at Quantico, when I was a, a teenager, and he would brag to the other people there that they couldn't ra- they couldn't rattle off a single position on the Cowboys that I didn't know who the player was. And sure enough, I got tested all the time. But every time I answered with who nice. was in that position. Nice. See, there you go. There you go. Um, all right. So now let's go to, and of course, I know coming from me, right? But what is your favorite meal slash food? Yeah. <laughs> I know the inappropriate answer to this question. <laughs> Um, well, now I, I, I'm I'm afraid I might not answer the right way, Huggy. <laughs> but, um, it's a it's a toss up. <laughs> it's a toss up 
being appropriate, uh, <laughs> between, um, oh, well, the first one is sushi. Okay. And the other one is, um, oh, you put it on the big wok and mix it all together. Stir fry? Oh. What's that? No. Stir fry? No. No, that's like the mango I didn't say anything about tossing anybody's salad. <laughs> no, like the Mongolian grill yeah, type uh, stuff. Yeah, barbecue, Mongolian barbecue. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Did you say Mongolian? Maybe. I'm talking, talking to. Hold on, where is he? Oh, that guy. Yeah. That guy. That guy. Yeah. Yeah, that one. <laughs> I may have. <laughs> He's from Mongolia. I thought I said I am Mongolian. A man. No, it's fine. I, thought I, said, I was just asking. And I identify as a man. I am a man and I go. identify as a man. <laughs> what, what else you got for him, Huggy? I'm done. I'm out. Okay. So, Dave, I feel like you, you probably have already answered this, sort of. Uh, okay. But what is your dream job? Or have you already done your dream job? Okay. I can't. I can't technically answer this question. Oh. Um, I'll. I, I will leave it at this. I have no tattoos. Next question. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be, and why? Wow, this keeps changing for me too. Um, mm. But, He's going to say Paris, France. <laughs> yeah. So I can start an international incident. <laughs> um, well, it, it's going to be in the United States of America, number one. Okay. I've been to a lot of places around the world, and they all suck. <laughs> no two words about it. They all suck. Sorry, rest of the world. You suck. They... They're nice places to visit, but freedom-wise, there is no place like here, which is why I get all bent out of shape when people try to change that, um, because I've been around the world, and I see what it's like without those freedoms. Um, but I would, I love the Montana-Wyoming area. I would love to do that, but at the same time, I'd probably have to go back to the home state of the Republic of Texas. Boom. That's all right. We could be neighbors. There you go. Yeah. So here's a question. Okay. What is your favorite coffee? Is there a certain coffee brand that you like? And if so, what is it? And do you, how do you like to drink your coffee? Do you like it with cream and sugar or do you like it like me? <laughs> I feel like he's getting ready. To, like, you know, that weird thing where Huggy always wants to kind of half take somebody out on a date. He's asking about food and beverages. Like he's getting ready to ask you where you want to go, like what movie you want to watch. Well, you asked him that question already. Okay. So, so let's hear about your coffee preferences. Um, I actually I like my coffee uh, a lighter shade of of dark. <laughs> but but still but still dark. I can drink it completely black, um, not a problem. 
But I typically put, I usually go a medium dark or a dark roast. And then uh, if I have it available, I do um, heavy whipping cream. Ooh. It actually makes the coffee a little creamier. Uh, really good. Better watch <laughs> out, Huggy. You want to put whipping cream on your nipples. <laughs> <laughs> like a little Hershey's kiss underneath. <laughs> oh, God. All so, right, uh, since we were talking about it off, like a half a can off screen. Of yeah, <laughs> we were talking about it off screen before. So, before Huggy has to ask you another date related question, uh, <laughs> favorite. <laughs> favorite alcoholic beverage that you may or may not have shown us before we, we started recording. Okay. Well, that's an easy one. I will go with America bourbon. Shout out. Not a sponsor. That's right. But shout out to America bourbon. And we'll be happy to be sponsored by you, by the way. Veteran owned another former Marine recon reconnaissance Marine. Awesome. There you go. Any more date questions you got for him? Huggy or. (laughs) Now, Man, I, I, I prepped for this in a very unique way, and I was hoping you guys would ask me a certain question, and you haven't gotten there. So I'm going to have to ask myself. Huh. Dave, what's your favorite rock group? Oh. I was going to ask that. Boom. Oh, <laughs> that was like one of my – oh, come on. I was going to ask that question. Okay. You, you, well, I like it are, either way. Yeah. yeah but, I, you know, actually I was going to ask you, but I didn't know – if it was kind of like, eh, but I was going to say, <laughs> going back to your teenage years, because I remember, and we're both pretty much the same age, uh, having posters in our room. <laughs> so I wanted to know, did you have Farrah Fawcett? Did you have Bo Derek? None. Who did you have? Nothing. A- you had none? None. Nothing. Nope. Wow. Okay. Nothing at all. Okay. Okay. That makes me feel pretty good about myself. I didn't have anything on the wall either. Okay. I had limited imagination though, so it's that was my problem. <laughs> Why would think okay, you need so the posters if, then? If if the Who is your favorite band, okay, group, yep. Your favorite artist, individual. Artist, Mus- musical artist, not like painter. Unless you want to answer both. Hmm. Individual artist. I don't know. That's a lyricist, musician. Oh, whatever. Well, Pete Townsend. I was, I, well, I was. I wasn't trying to Boom. loft the, the. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yep. And then since it came up, uh, favorite artist, artist, painter, sculptor, you know. Uh, my buddy Mark Slatton. Okay. Oh, was he the one that did the? Um... Yep. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. The plaque. Yep. Okay. He's the one who did that. We're gonna Vogue later. <laughs> so <laughs> he knew what I meant. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> what else you got for him, Huggy? Anything? No, that that's pretty much it. I don't have really anything else. But uh, I actually was. Very interested in the uh, the, the music because we back we both kind of had the same background kind of because I was thinking you were going to say like the Who and maybe Rush, you know. No, that dude sounds too much like a chick. No, the Ru- Rush, yeah. like the band Rush. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you mean Getty Lee sounds too much like a chick? Okay, yeah. Gotcha, every gotcha. 
I swear for the longest time I thought Rush had a female lead singer. Oh. I had okay. no idea that was a dude. Okay. I have not been able to get past that ever. And that that's 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 cool. That is cool. I actually liked Rush because of the drummer. He was just I, a, I mean, he's one of the greatest. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't know this, but he wrote like their songs. I had no idea. Yeah. So yeah. good for him. So, yeah, I mean he's he's definitely, you know. Right up there with uh, Keith Moon and um, the guy from Led Zeppelin. Can't think of his name right now. Uh, Robert Plant? Nope, the drummer. Oh, I'm sorry. Bank tie score. I'm having a brain fart. But anyway, the, the three of them are always talked about in the, you know, as yeah. being the great. So, so yeah, no, I, I, I have no issue with Rush the Band. I just, the, the voice gets me. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I'm with, I'm with you. So, but that's all I have. All right. Okay. Well, I got I got a closeout question. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so we we decided the three of us that we were going to do a podcast together. Okay. I'm not entirely sure how we got to that point, but but we did, <laughs> and now we're doing it. So, <laughs> I feel, and I, you and I maybe have talked about this before, but I feel like you were kind of the, and this is a good thing. You were kind of the driving force behind like, hey, we should just do this. Mm -hmm. So you made it happen. Um, what are your goals for the three of us doing a podcast? Um, well, a couple of things. One, to make it keep improving it and make it more and more professional. Like I've got a lot to learn still on editing um, the audio and stuff because as you guys heard, I mean, the interview with – Chris was horrible with all the background noise on my end. So editing that type of stuff. And then number two, becoming legitimate to where, and I say legitimate, I mean just getting to a point where we can have um, basically anybody on that we want as, as guests for interviews, you know, whether it be a president of a company or um, a national champion or whomever, you know, so, you know, uh, someone from a large optic manufacturer, cause you know, we, I, we've all talked too. we don't just want to talk pistol competition in USPSA. Right. We want to talk a lot of different stuff. So right. it'd be nice to eventually get to that point where we can have anybody on and have these interviews and be able to serve a much larger, larger audience. Yeah, and, and, and I know we, we have had this discussion, all of us kind of, like, we don't just want to be about, like you said, USPSA. We all, you've competed in Precision Rifle, Huggy's done bow competitions. We've all done a myriad competing use of firearm, whatever. So to, to be able to reach a broader audience, I think it's really cool. So that's good. I, I think that's awesome. And we'll keep riding the train together, and hopefully we'll figure out why my screen always looks like it's in black and white. He agrees, is what that is. He's agreeing with you. Right. He said, yup. Well, that's all I got. Okay. Um, thanks for answering questions and uh, being awesome, pretty much. Thanks so. for the interrogation. Sorry, you hear my dog welcome. again. You, you, you held up well <laughs> under direct pressure. I was actually going to ask you name, rank, and serial number. Oh, my God. Where were you the other night? <laughs> Good Lord. 
who do you work for? All right, cool, man. Well, that's all I got. Uh, again, thanks for being on. Thanks for uh, making this happen. And thank you. By golly, be careful out there, people. Absolutely. Hill Street Blues. <laughs>